You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Jesus, who is our high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. What a compassionate God we serve. What a compassionate God we know. He knows all about your feelings. He knows all about your emotions. He knows all about your hurts. He knows about everything that you're going through, right? And so he took it to the Lord in prayer. You are loved deeply by God. Because of this love, He wants you to bring your desires and struggles to Him. All too often, He's a last resort for us. You may see your needs as being too petty for the God of the universe, but they're not. As Pastor Mike will challenge us in today's message, we should bring everything to God in prayer. He's listening, and He'll meet your needs. Frequently, his response will look different than what you may be expecting, but he's good, and he always comes through. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8, as he continues his message, Give Us a King. they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Okay, now notice, first of all, that this was displeasing to Samuel. Now how did Samuel respond? Well, Samuel prayed unto the Lord. Now, for a moment, let's put ourselves in Samuel's shoes. Think about it. He had served the Lord and the people faithfully for a period of over six decades. And up until this point, there wasn't any complaints. Everyone seemed to be quite satisfied. But for all of his work, the people are now ungrateful, and he is rejected by the people. Okay, so How did Samuel deal with his rejection? And this is very important. Let's talk about rejection, because I think at one time or another, every one of us will find ourselves in the same position as being rejected by someone maybe that we love or someone that we've, you know, we've uh, invested in or, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, put some time in to minister to their their needs. Uh, So I believe that sometime or another, you will have to deal with this very same thing 
that is rejection. I mean, the pain of rejection is very personal, isn't it? And it can have far-reaching effects on our lives. So let's further talk about the subject of rejection. Where does it stem from? Well, rejection, first of all, results from a couple of different ways. First of all, the denial of approval. You know, here you are doing the best that you possibly can, and uh, you don't receive the approval of the people that you're ministering to. You know, no one says uh, or remarks, hey, pastor, I really appreciate the job. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's happening here, because I'm, I'm always encouraged by the response of the people. I'm so blessed being the pastor of this church. And i got to tell you something. Over the many years that I've served as the pastor of this church, well, I mean, at one time or another, you know, uh, you know I, I've run up against this sort of thing, people complaining and stuff. But for the most part, you know, I think that I've received the approval of the people and, and, people, and the people have appreciated the things that we've done because, you know, we're all in this together. And I really haven't gotten out of, you know, the counsel of other people and doing the things that we've chosen to do. I, I think everybody's been, been behind you know, what we've done in the past. And, and uh, so anyway, you know, not getting the, uh, the pat on the backs and someone telling you you're doing a good job or, you know, your work goes on. You could probably relate to this maybe at your place of employment. You know, you're putting in more than a 40-hour work week and, and it seems as if your boss doesn't really appreciate the time that you're putting in or the contributions that you're making, you know, to, to make him successful or the business successful. So, you know, that might be one way that you'd run up against this sort of, of thing. So the denial of approval or affection or recognition for your labors, for your work, for your contributions. So all of these things can undermine our sense of worth, confidence, and lead to some sort of insecurity, helplessness, and frustration, as well as loneliness. Okay, so let's go back now to Samuel, who's facing this very thing. And how did he deal with this rejection? Well, notice, according to our text, what did he do? He took it to the Lord. Notice, he did not argue with his accusers, right, that had gathered together. It was probably a, quite an impressive group of people. He didn't argue with them. What did he do? He made his appeal unto the Lord, and he prayed. And by praying, he was able to let go of his problems. You know, how many times have you felt, you know, yourself in this kind of a situation where you're really bummed out? And uh, you feel as if, you know, why am I even doing this? And uh, you're just really disheartened. Well, you know, it's in times like that, you don't need to defend yourself. You know what you're doing. You know, if in fact you're being criticized because you're, you know, you've, you've, uh, you, you've not done what you've been asked to do. Well, that's a whole other thing. But uh, if, if your work has gone on unappreciative, you know, you don't need to respond. You don't need to trade evil for evil. You don't need to defend yourself. Just make your appeal unto the Lord and take it to him in prayer. You see, for Samuel, it placed him in touch with the person. Who was that person? God who was of far more emotionally significant to him than the elders of Israel. You see, Samuel, I think, was more concerned about what God's estimation of him was than were the people's estimation. And this is, by the way, this is the way that we need to, you know, walk through our life's experience. 
all of the things that we do need to be directed towards pleasing the Lord. And if we do that, you know, we shouldn't feel condemned. We shouldn't feel uh, unappreciated. Uh, We shouldn't feel, you know, rejected because we know that we're we're doing what we're doing uh, to bring glory unto the Lord. So anyway, it was through prayer Samuel was able to discuss everything with the Lord. And I would have loved to have been there and listened into that conversation that Samuel at that time had with the Lord. He's telling him exactly how he felt and why. And notice, he was given an entirely new perspective. And by the way, that's exactly the effect that prayer has. When we appeal to God through prayer, he gives us a different perspective. And what was that perspective? Well, go back to verse 7. God said, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. Notice there in verse 7. So therefore, this kept Samuel from harboring any resentment or blaming other people for his situation. And that will be exactly the effect that it has upon you, right? As God gives you the new perspective on the things that are going on in your life's experience. And thus he had received encouragement from the Lord. Hey, listen, God is so compassionate. You know, let me give you a cross-reference for this. And I'm so glad that we serve a compassionate uh, God. And I want you to know something. You know, Jesus knows what rejection was like. Isn't that true? You know, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He came to Israel. He, be, he was born of a, of a woman. He, he, he vacated the throne in heaven where he was there, worshipped as God in heaven, and he became a man to die in our place for our sin. And when he came to his own, Israel, they rejected him, didn't he? So he listen, Jesus knows all about rejection. He, he could enter into the feelings and the emotions that Samuel was going through. But you know what? I love this portion of scripture. It's recorded for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 15. There we are told, for we do not have a high priest, and of course that's a reference to Jesus, who is our high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. What a compassionate God we serve. What a compassionate God we know. He knows all about your feelings. He knows all about your emotions. He knows all about your hurts. He knows about everything that you're going through, right? And so he took it to the Lord in prayer. Now, let me also add something that I think is very interesting here, and we'll talk some more about that in a moment. We'll discover it. And I think that this is very important for us to observe, that Samuel's prayer didn't change his circumstances, And isn't it true that when we appeal to God in prayer, often we expect God to suddenly, miraculously, bring about a reversal of what is unpleasant to us at that time. And then when that doesn't happen, what what then? Well, then all of a sudden we become distraught. We become disappointed when he does not act according to our expectation. You see, the key to Samuel's handling of his emotionally charged situation, which will also be true of us, right? Is just simply he lay in his submission to the will of God. He just appealed unto the Lord 
He didn't get the desired effects that he was looking for, but then finally he just committed himself completely to the, this is the way that it's going to be. And what did God say to him? Okay, so just give them what they want. Okay, it's not, it, it wasn't the right thing, but nevertheless, give them what they want. He allowed, that is Samuel, the Lord to direct his actions and agreed to the people's demand for a king. So what do we take away from this? Okay, so you're dealing with something in your life's experience. It's become an irritation, uh, something that's very difficult. You appeal unto the Lord, and the Lord uh, responds. He comforts you. He encourages you. Uh, he knows what you're going through. He'll, he'll give you that word of encouragement, but your circumstances don't, don't change. Well, there's a purpose and a plan in allowing that to come into your life. So just give yourself to the will of God, and that's it. And then just go on from there. Just know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his uh, purposes. And so therefore, and going forward, notice Samuel was then given a new direction. And what was that new direction? Well, let's go and revisit verse 9 again. And there are two things that Samuel was exhorted to do. Now, therefore, heed their voice. That was the first instruction. However, you shall solemnly forewarn. That's the second thing that he was to do, them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So notice the two things. Heed their voice and forewarn them. So God told Samuel to fulfill the people's request. Now, this was not because the request was good or the request was right, but because God would teach Israel through this. You see, sometimes when we insist on having something bad, God will allow us to have it and then teach us through it. Oh, yes, you'll suffer the consequences, right? Beware of this sort of thing. You know, I remind you, here's a cross-reference for you. You might want to write this down. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 14, in verse 12. So here we are. We're so determined to get this thing done. We're so sure that this is a part of God's plan for us. And so we pray. And recorded for us in Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but its ends is the way of death. Folks, beware of what you're insistent Upon. Beware. Be careful. <laughs> but then secondly, notice the instruction. Samuel, Samuel was to forewarn Israel, forewarn them. You see, information creates responsibility. And so in telling Israel this, Samuel did not only help them make an informed choice that they were wrong in asking for a king, but he increased their accountability for making the right choice. You see, there would never be a time in the future where they would be able to say, well, we didn't know. You know, as finally the king enters the throne. And I want you to think about, yes, there were some good kings, you know, going forward, but then there were even more bad kings. You know, read on. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, uh, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. And we're introduced to a host of different kings, some good, some bad. But there would never be a time in Israel's history where they would look back on this time when they were crying out for God to give them a king and say, we never knew. God forewarned them through Samuel, you see. You know, even as, you know, I was thinking about this, and how, how could I bring this down to a personal application? 
And I was just thinking like in a time like this one, when we're gathered together and we're being instructed in the word. It doesn't necessarily have to be here in our studies in 1 Samuel, but in any of the books of the Bible, in your own personal study time, when God is speaking to us, you know, as we're reading the word and we're receiving of his counsel and he's forewarning us. And, uh, you know, there'll never be, we're forewarned by the word of God. You know, that's one of the effects that God's word has upon the, the hearer, the reader. God is forewarning us, right? He's counseling us. So there's never going to be a time where we're going to say, you know, I never knew. Oh, yes, you knew. I told you in the word God would respond. There's never going to be a time when finally we appear before God in heaven and we're going to, you know, complain about why this and why that happened while we were on the earth. And God is going to turn around and say, hey, listen, what are you talking about? I told you. Don't you remember that portion of scripture that you read, you know, in your own personal study time in the morning on such and such a day? And, and we'll say, oh, yeah, I forgot, you know, <laughs> right? And so Samuel was to forewarn uh, God's uh, uh, people. So anyway, rising from prayer, Samuel did as the Lord had commanded him, relating all he had been told to the people. Okay, so what did Samuel tell them? Okay, let's go back to our text now, verses 10 through 18. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. Again, there was some good, but mostly they were bad. Like, for example, David was a good king, right? Saul was a bad king. Think of some of the other, like Ahab. He was a terrible king right? Uh, he caused the people to, to uh, fall into idolatry through his wife, uh, Jezebel, who was one of the uh, prime movers in introducing Baal worship uh, to God's people, Israel. So there were a bunch of uh, bad kings. He will take your sons and, and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before the chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. Will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. This is what you want? <laughs> That's what Samuel is getting at here. Some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will be a taker and not a giver, I guess is what uh, Samuel is trying to uh, convey uh, to God's people. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants, and you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. The kings would place heavy taxes and burdens upon the people. Their most sacred treasures. What do you think their most sacred treasures were, according to this list? It was their children. Their children would be taken to do hard work for the king, in the king's service, in the king's army. They would serve uh, as farmers on his farms, plowing his fields. But nevertheless, 
the people were obstinate. And now picking up in verse 19 through 22, we read, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all of the other nations. See, therein lies the problem. They wanted to be like the world. Listen, whenever the church wants to be like the world, you're heading towards disaster, folks. Remember, we've been called a separation, both in the Old and the New Testament. The exhortation is the same. The warnings are the same. Come out from among them and be ye separate, separate unto the Lord. That's where the blessings are. That we also may be like all the nations, verse 20, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And so the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go now to his uh, city. Well, they had set their hearts on having a king. They were openly courting an intolerable yoke future generations would not be able to shake off. Okay, so in the final analysis, what do we learn here? What do we take away from this this morning? Well, the people were motivated by a desire of status. They wanted to be like everyone else. And also prestige. You see, they had forgotten that to be different from other nations was their glory. And isn't that what the church is all about? Right? Think about it. As I mentioned before, separated unto God. We're sanctified. We've been set apart for God, for a special purpose, a a special plan to know God, to worship God. You know, there in verse 20, quickly just go back to that verse. Verse 20 is a reference to the Ammonites, who at that time had greatly increased. And thus Israel saw the Ammonites as a threat to their national security. But, but they, you see, they had forgotten that whenever they had walked with and relied upon God solely, God helped them. They didn't need a king. They didn't have to be concerned about their enemies. Even as God, as we were told in, in the opening statement that I made, that God's hand was upon the Philistines all the while. All of the while, Samuel ruled as judge over Israel. And so this morning, as we close out our message, let us learn from Israel's mistakes. Let us walk humbly, gratefully, wholly before the true and living God, who alone can protect us, provide for us, and he alone can satisfy our needs. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. The book of 1 Samuel details how the nation of Israel transitioned from the era of having judges to a time period where they demanded to have a king rule over them. The pages that then followed include the rise and fall of King Saul, as well as introducing a person in the Bible that becomes one of the greatest men of faith, David. 1 Samuel's book of action and adventure 
but also a reminder of God's swift consequences or judgment when people fall away from Him. So often you might wonder how a passage relates to you today, but there's always something to apply from God's Word, and this book is no exception. Take the life lessons in this book and keep them in mind as you're faced with decisions to make and directions to go. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from 1 Samuel right here on In My Father's House. Oh